Consider this, 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Are you? Don't worry, you're in the right place with this podcast, Succession Stories. Host Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guides you from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. Lori is a business transition and M&A advisor, specializing in growth, acquisitions, and selling owner-led companies. She's also the author of the Business Transition Handbook. Get your copy and learn how to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Sign up for a business transition newsletter at successionstories.com. Show us the love by subscribing to the show and posting a review. We appreciate you. Now, here's this week's Succession Stories with Lori Barkman. While billion-dollar merger deals grab the headlines, smaller companies get acquired too. Lexi Grant launched They Got Acquired to help founders understand deal-making in the micro and lower middle market. They Got Acquired is a media company that shares stories of companies that sell for six, seven, or low eight figures. Lexi is a two-time founder and seller of digital businesses. She shared her story with me about selling her company as an aqua hire to one of her clients. We also discussed how to make your own business sellable and what makes a business something that people want to buy. You'll also hear what founders say they would do differently next time. The main thing I took away from our conversation is how valuable it is to think about your potential exit, even if it's years away, and regardless of your company size, you can have an exit too. Enjoy this Succession Stories episode about smaller companies that sell with Lexi Grant. Lexi Grant, welcome to Succession Stories. I don't often have people from the media on the show, but you not only have a perspective of what it's like to be an entrepreneur and finding your market fit, but also what it's like to sell a business, grow and sell a business. And of course, that's what you're doing today and helping other people be mindful towards their future and welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to chat with you. So why don't we start with a little bit about you and your company, and then we're going to rewind. So tell me about They Got Acquired and what the company's mission is. Yeah, we're a media company and we help entrepreneurs sell their business. So we we tell a lot of stories of founders who have sold their businesses, and we also offer resources for founders who are thinking about selling. And we're really, we, we just launched about a year ago, and we're really one of the few it's, it's a niche that there's not a lot of information on the web about it. You can find some from different brokers, for example, but um, we're really the only third party that's offering this type of information for founders. That's awesome. We're going to dive a little deeper on that. Let's talk about you and what got you into this mission and purpose for, for helping other founders. Tell me your story. Yeah, my background's in journalism. I worked as a reporter for a bunch of years, and then I started a content marketing agency. It was small. It was me and a team of contractors. Eventually, it was acquired by one of our clients, and that client was called The Penny Hoarder. It's a personal finance media company. So we were, at the time, we we were running all the content for that company, and they ended up buying my company. So myself and my team, we all went in-house at The Penny Hoarder. And so I ended up working there alongside the founder to grow that business. I was a second employee and that business ended up upselling up as well in 2020. 
it was a big sale. It was a $100 million sale and it was a bootstrapped business. And that was another data point for me where I thought, hey, I found it to be really interesting that there wasn't a lot of coverage of the sale when in fact it was a huge success story. And I thought it, it was something that was could have been really interesting to a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of factors around that. You know, the founder wasn't everywhere kind of talking about it, but also we didn't have investors who wanted the world to know that they had invested in this successful company. So yeah, I had my own, I had an acquire, then I, I watched the penny hoarder be acquired and not get a lot of chatter about it. And then I had also, I had started a kind of a side business when I was running the, my content agency. It was a website for writers. And I ended up selling that a couple of years ago. I can't remember which year it was now, but a couple of years ago before I started, they got acquired. So I had those three experiences. And when it came time for me to think about what do I want to do next, I knew I wanted it to be some sort of niche publication because that leverages my skills as my primary skills in content operations, managing content teams. And yeah, I just felt like this was an underserved niche. Like when I was going through it myself, I didn't know who to ask for help. It seemed like there was a lot of professionals out there for the much bigger sales, but for a six or seven figure sale, who do you ask for help and what do you need? And it's for a lot of entrepreneurs, like we're, we're heads down building our business. And when it comes time to want to sell it, either because someone approaches you or you just decide, you know, you're burnt out and you want to get out or whatever reason, it, there's a steep learning curve to figure out how to go and do that. And so that that's the pain point that I wanted to solve. That's great. And certainly those are very common themes on this show and something that I talk a lot about with business owners because they're not, not often thinking about these things. And until they do, then their minds really open to, oh my, what, what is the value of my business? What do I want my business to be worth? What do I think it can be worth? Who might be my buyers? What kinds of buyers are they? What kinds of transactions are we talking about? There's a lot of decisions and forks in the road. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lonely place. It's yes. a lonely place in your mind where you might not know. So therefore there's obstacles. Therefore, I'm not going to let myself go there. It's mm -hmm. too uncomfortable. And there's yep. too many other irons in the fire, too many other things I need to work on. So I'm going to wait. And then mm -hmm. what happens? Mm -hmm. They wait and wait and wait. And as you said, these companies, to your point, if they're selling for six or seven figures, they're probably not very big companies, right? These might be companies that are 500,000 in revenue or a million in revenue types of businesses, mm -hmm. but they can be healthy and they can be very interesting and compelling for the right owners. Yeah. Who want to sure. buy them. For so sure. And that's that kind match. of, yeah, for sure. That's kind of one of the perceptions that I want to change, which is like, you don't have to sell for billions of dollars here to be a success. There's lots of entrepreneurs who run smaller businesses and you can sell and have a life-changing exit. So, you know, we don't focus only on bootstrap companies, but we do feature a lot of bootstrap companies on our, on our site because there's just so many success stories there and people that you just don't hear about. I'm so curious about your experience where you said that your acquirer, it was a natural acquirer that you, they were your largest client. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. They were. Yep. And did you have that in mind and see that potential before no. they came to you? <laughs> Not at all. Didn't even occur to me. And in fact, I was pretty set on never becoming an employee again, because I loved running my own business. I was clearly having growth in the business. In fact, you know, I was getting to the point where I had a number of contractors that were working full time at that point, And I was having to ask myself, like, do I want to make these people employees or what do I want this business to look like? So I was pretty surprised when the founder suggested that. 
And then even more surprised that it was something that I ended up thinking, actually, this could be a fit. Like we'd worked together for a year and a half at that point. I knew I liked him and I liked how he was running the business and I liked his vision. And then on the personal side, he didn't know this when he approached me, but I was also pregnant with my first child. And so I, I saw, well, there was kind of pros and cons, right? Like, I think there could have been a lot of pros to staying on my own and having complete total autonomy over my schedule when I had my first kid. But I also felt like there would be something nice about being able to focus on one project instead of lots of different clients um, that I was overseeing. So it was partly about the phase of my life as well. So was it an awkward conversation, that first conversation when when they approached you and said, we're, we're thinking about acquiring you? No, I mean, he, so I worked primarily with him online, but we had met up in person and that's when he brought it up. And I probably looked totally shocked. Like I'd never occurred to me, like I never pictured that or thought it could happen. But yeah, I just kind of sat with that. And then we we had more conversations virtually like this. And at the time, you know, he did, he actually didn't know I was pregnant because I wasn't showing what he told me. So I had to later when I realized oh, I might actually want to do this, I had to kind of share that news with him. And to his credit, did not even bat an eyelash. <laughs> like he, didn't he was, nope, not at all. Nope. <laughs> I think yeah. by then he kind of knew my personality. Yeah, he, had a, he had a long-term time horizon thinking of you coming yes. on board. So that that's great. And was the transition to be part of that Acquihire team for you as a business owner and then as an employee, was that a difficult transition for you? No, it was really exciting. It was mostly good. And I think that was because I had worked with him for a while. So I knew him really well. And basically, I got to do a lot of things I wouldn't have done on my own because we we grew and scaled very quickly. It was a bootstrap business, so we had a lot of resources because it was doing very well. So I got to hire a lot of people and basically learn how to scale a startup, which I wouldn't have done on my own. So yeah, so it was, it was start- overall really good. Yeah. That's great. Yep. So here you are starting a new business. They got acquired. And because of your skills in multifaceted, I know you know how to do market research and and listening to the market in terms of what their pain points are. What do you hear most commonly in this marketplace that you want to address? Well, there's a few things. I mean, one is like just the general questions that people ask, like, how do I sell my business? I have no idea where to start. (laughs) We're actually preparing to launch a sh- short course, a one-hour course that that answers that question. And, you know, over time, we'll offer more in-depth resources that go deeper on different parts of it. But just the high level, like, how do I even think about this? How do I get started? Is my business even sellable? Answering all of those questions. Yeah, I talked to a lot of people who have no idea where to start or don't even know if they really could sell their business. So that's the big one. Another pain point that we're trying to address is helping entrepreneurs have comps. So for like, if you're going to sell a much bigger business, you can find information about other businesses that have sold and use that to to try and figure out how much your business should sell for. But in our market, that really hasn't existed unless, you know, obviously if you work with a broker, they might have access to some of that stuff, but we are creating it. We put out different reports in different industries. um, Like we have one on um, SaaS businesses and content and media companies, and we're about to launch one on e-commerce that shows what other businesses have sold for, and not just that top line item, because most of the of the deals we cover are private. So sometimes we have that sale price, sometimes we don't. When we don't, we can usually get other data points that help people understand like what the deal looked like, and even the context is important. Like, how did they find their buyer? 
You know, what led them to wanting to sell? Like what, what were some of the terms of the deal? Did they have an earnout? All those little pieces I think can help a seller who's looking to sell their business think about what they what's an ideal situation for them. This episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, The Business Transition Handbook, How to Avoid Succession Pitfalls and Create Valuable Exit Options. Business owners will learn how to navigate the emotional and practical nature of the transition process to avoid exit regrets. It's crucial to start planning when time is on your side so you don't leave money or your happiness on the table. Reading this book, you'll have Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guiding you along the way. To download a free copy, head to thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com. That's thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com today. Because these are private companies, how do you get your information? Is it from the experience of the entrepreneur directly? We get most of it from the founders. Yes, we ask them. Sometimes they don't want to give us any information. That's fine too. It's always, you know, up to them. And we're really flexible about what we include. We don't say you must give us X and Y or we're not doing it. I mean, it's, we have to have enough information to make an interesting story, but we can, we can almost always do that. Sometimes the buyer is a public company, in which case, you know, we look at a lot of SEC reports to try and pull information out of there. We also comb through podcasts and news articles. And sometimes the founder might have talked about the business just a month or two before they sold and, and shared metrics that way. And we can pull them all into one place. Yeah, smart. And you said SaaS companies, e-commerce companies, are these mostly digital businesses that yes. you're working with? We or? only cover online companies. Most companies now have some online components, so it's a little bit subjective, but we we look for businesses that are primarily online. So we wouldn't cover a brick and mortar yoga studio, for example. Right, right. Do you find that owners want to sell their business by themselves or are they looking for advisors to support them? It really depends across the board. I'd say even ones that want to sell by themselves are still looking for guidance and like someone to talk to who's done it before. Even if they don't want to engage a broker, for example, they are often, you know, really happy to talk in a conversation. I do a lot of calls. I do free calls with founders who are thinking about selling just to like help them think through their options. And a lot of those people say, thank you so much for talking to me. Like, I don't know anyone in my life who's done this before. I don't even know where to go. I, I feel like it was serendipitous to kind of find you. And a lot of these people just, you know, they're kind of floating out there without the resources that they really need. So are you building to sell again? Do you think that this is going to be a venture that one day you're you're getting your mind towards the future? I mean, that's, that's not my founding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not my goal right now. My goal right now is really to have a business that I enjoy running you know, that makes healthy money for my family, something where I can learn and help people. Like I want to grow something meaningful. And also I want a business that's flexible. Like I work probably about 30 hours a week, but I want to be able to work whenever I want and work from wherever I want. And I find kind of creating that myself lets me do it the way I want. But I would never build a business now without doing it, doing all the things that I learned from going through acquisitions. Like there's things that you learn when you go through it that second time founders will tell you, oh, of course I do this from the beginning next time because I don't want to end up in a position where it's not done. So, and also I recognize that like I'm an ambitious learner type. And even if I'm into this now, like five or 10 years from now, I'll probably want to do something different. So it's inevitable. I think at some point it makes sense for most everyone to sell. You mentioned the hindsight. What are a few things you learned that we, you would do differently if you could? Yeah, well, based off of my experience, but also a lot of the founders I talked to, just keeping clean books. 
it sounds obvious, but a lot of entrepreneurs don't do it from the beginning, especially if they have multiple projects, they're all like mixed in together and it can be hard to untangle. The cool part about doing that from the beginning, doing it well, is you also have better visibility into your business and what's actually making you and spending spending the money. <laughs> um, just setting up like good processes so things can be passed over to other people. Um, I mean, as someone who's funding a business with revenue, we're bootstrapped. I'm hiring contractors slowly as I can. So I'm always thinking about like, what can I pass off next? So whenever I figure out how to do something, I want to create a process for it so someone else can do it in an ideal world. I mean, I, sometimes that kind of backfires because I think knowing that I want to do that and how my brain works that way, sometimes I find myself trying to create a process too early, like before I figured out how to do the thing. So that's one thing that that's been a learning for me this time around is like, look, you can't pro you can't create processes worth the beginning. First, you got to experiment and try a lot of things and see which ones work, and then you can create a process for it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the idea of just not having everything rely on me is a big one. Um, I think that's ideal just for, for running a business too. Um, you know, I don't want everything to rely on me because if I'm sick, then it doesn't get done, but that helps both me right now in this moment. And it would help me later if I sold. Yeah, absolutely. I, I offer a business assessment for owners and there's eight value drivers that we take a look at and compare them to their industry peers. And one of the drivers, as you mentioned, is we call it the hub and spoke so if your business can't thrive without you, it is going to hurt your transferability. It's going to create mm -hmm. risks you're not aware of. It's going to probably hurt your value. Mm -hmm. An extreme sentence, if I if, if I said it this way, it sounds extreme, but it's a business that can't survive or thrive without its owner is a worthless business. Now, that's mm -hmm. not entirely true, but mm -hmm. it sort of makes the point for, as you're saying, it's really important to set up processes decision capabilities within the organization. So it's not always bouncing back to you for answers or how to do something. And that can be hard for people because mm -hmm. this is their identity. This is something they really care about, their baby, right? Letting go is tricky, but it's good practice to let go to others in your team so that one day you can truly let go to even a new owner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. In, in the media business too, there's like the branding piece. So it's always a fine line to walk in terms of you don't want the brand to revolve around you. Um, and, and like, that's been interesting to navigate as I built this business, because in the early days, you really do need the brand to revolve around you a little bit in media, because that's how you get trust. Like people, the initial people join because they trust you and they want to see what you're doing and um, they want to support you, but kind of walking that fine line of, you know, obvious things like not naming the brand, my name, for example. Um, but even in the beginning I had, um, cause you know, I have others, people help me write the newsletter and the beginning I had signed it from our team and I didn't have any personal stuff in there. And then I realized like that sometimes that's really interesting to readers as they want to understand how I'm building the business and they want to see what I'm seeing. And, and like that personal element is just so much more interesting from like you want to follow people you don't want to follow a brand you want to follow a person or people so thinking about how can i infuse that early on uh, but building it in a way where like i can later transfer that trust to the brand that's a really good insight that's a really good insight yeah people want to know who you are what makes you tick what makes you 
interesting and then what insights you have follows after that right mm -hmm. building that trust mm -hmm. starting to think about now for the audience and people listening if they are as you describe a digital business their you know their revenues are are growing but mm -hmm. perhaps they're thinking about some making a switch you know what would be the benefit of, of finding your your newsletter? How will that help them? And, you know, how should they get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, our newsletter is at theygotacquired.com slash newsletter. The earlier you can start reading this stuff and thinking about it, the better, because even if you're not ready to sell right now, and a lot of our audience isn't ready to sell right now, but they're thinking about building with this in mind. I mean, there's a great book that a lot of people reference called Built to Sell. And it has a lot of the same ideas where you're thinking ahead of time about what can you do to make this into a business that's sellable. And as we mentioned, a lot of the things that you would do to make a business sellable are also the things that make a business great to run for you right now. It's profitable. You know, it's not reliant entirely on you and your time. Um, you're organized with your finances. So all the things that you want to do to set up to sell, they also serve you at this moment. So yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think understanding this stuff now and starting to read and absorb the stories of other people who are doing it, it's also inspiring because it helps you like understand what's possible. Um, it gives you a North Star to shoot for. I'll give a couple of plugs. One is for the author that you just mentioned, John Warlow wrote mm -hmm. Built to Sell and a couple other books um, that they call the Built to Sell Trilogy. And he's the founder of the Value Builder System. He was also on my show. And he's written a testimonial for my book, which is called the Business Transition Handbook. And everything that we were talking about today about what are some of the pitfalls? How do you grow your business? What creates value? There's a lot of great resources out there. So certainly John's book, mine, if people are interested in, in taking a read, that's what the, our mission is collectively. People like us that we want to help entrepreneurs be successful. You can't build your business on your own. You're not going to build it on your own. So why would you look to transition it on your own you need mm -hmm. you might need some some others to surround yourself with so whether it's virtually or or literally but of course for me as an advisor i'm i'm always an advocate for bringing those people into the fold when you can but there's some great tools out there so it's been great to talk with you today lexi i guess any closing thoughts one of the things i usually ask everybody is if they have a favorite quote and i forgot to prep you with that so i don't want to catch you off guard do you no. have a favorite quote ready yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to quote um, a friend of mine. Her name's Sarah Peck, and she runs a um, community called Startup Parent. It's a great newsletter, but she also has a mastermind and several different offerings in there. But she always says we don't have to do things the way they've always been done. And I always tell myself that because it's 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 both a relief and it's a reminder. You know, it's a relief when you see things done a certain way and feel like, oh, if I don't can't do it that way, then I can't do it at all, which isn't true. And it's a good reminder to think outside the box. And there's there's always an option C to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Lexi, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. And I'm sure we will continue the conversation. Yeah, thanks. This is fun. And so to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to Succession Stories. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast players. And that way you don't miss an episode. So thanks so much, everyone. And we'll be in touch again next week. I hope that today's episode resonated with you. What actions will you take as a result? 
If you want to grow, sell, or transition your business, our strategic transition planning process provides clarity and objectivity on the big questions that may be weighing on your mind. Make an intention and take the next step. Set up a complimentary consultation with me to discuss your goals at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. That's thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com.